ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد سترين We're on the chapter Bab Qawlillahi Ta'ala Ta'arujul Malaikatu Warruhu Ilayh This chapter following on from the previous one is in the context of the topics talking about the highness of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala and that Allah is above separate and distinct from His creation above the throne, above everything above all of the heavens and the earth, separate and distinct from His creation. And not as the people of deviation have come to believe that Allah is everywhere. Of course, with His knowledge and His seeing and His hearing, Allah encompasses everything. But do we say Allah is everywhere? Rather, we say Allah is above the Most High. When you say Allahu Ta'ala, Allahu Ta'ala, Ta'ala means what? The Most High, the one above. So you have the people believing that their aqidah is Allah is everywhere. But then they are saying Allahu Ta'ala. You have them now, the heads of the Asha'ira, Allah is, or from whomsoever they may be from the different groups, believing that Allah is everywhere. And then you have the Imam sitting down, ta'ala, and then quoting and quoting. So, Allah is above, and that is the topic we are within. Here now, you had this ayah stating that the angels, they ascend up to Allah, which obviously therefore indicates the highness of Allah, that the angels ascend to Him. العلو له أدلة منها ما ترجم به البخاري رحمه الله في قوله تعالى تعرج الملائكة والروح إليه There were many evidences upon the highness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One of those is this ayah in Surah Al-Ma'arij, ayah number four. After this then, وَفِيهِ دَلِيلٌ عَلَى كَمَالْ مَلَكُوتِهِ وَعَظِيمْ سُلْطَانِهِ It also indicates the perfection of the dominion of Allah. The absolute perfection of the dominion and the kingdom of Allah and the tremendous uh, the authority, the power, the kingship that Allah has over all of creation. حيث هؤلاء الرسل الملائكة العظام يصعدون إلى الله 
these angels, how tremendous and big and powerful the angels are in of themselves, yet they ascend up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the creator of all of that. So, here it mentions, يَصْعَدُ أو إليه يصعد الكلم الطيب والعمل الصالح يرفعه In the ayah where it mentions that to Allah ascends the good word and the righteous actions. To Allah ascends the, right, the good word and the righteous actions. That is referring to all types of speech of goodness. كُلُّ كَلَامٍ يُقَرِّبُ إِلَى اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلْ Every type of good speech that brings you closer to Allah. All types of good in the adhkar, in the remembrances, in the speech as a whole. All of that goodness and righteousness in your speech then it mentions that is what ascends to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. كُلُّ كَلَامٍ يُقَرِّبُ إِلَى اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلْ فَهُوَ كَلِمٌ طَيِّبٌ وَأَعْظَمُهُ كَلَامُ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلْ And the best from all of that good speech is of course the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Qur'an. That you recite the Qur'an. ثُمَّ الذِّكْرِ Then the other types of remembrance. ثُمَّ الْأَمْرِ بِالْمَعْرُوفَ النَّهِيَ عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ Then the enjoining of the good and the forbidding of the evil. These are all different levels of the good speech. The highest level of the good speech is, the highest level of the dhikr of Allah is the Qur'an. The Qur'an is the highest level of the dhikr of Allah, the remembrance of Allah. And then the others here, the other types of adhkar and supplications and dua, and enjoining the good and forbidding the evil, all of that from the righteous speech. فَهُوَ يَسْعَدُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَلَا يَكُونُ كَلِمًا طَيِّبًا إِلَّا إِذَا كَانَ مَبْرِيًّا عَلَى الْإِخْلَاصِ وَعَلَى الْمُتَابَعَةِ all of that righteous speech, then it ascends to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's only going to be righteous speech if it is built upon sincerity and in accordance to the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They are the two pillars for any act of worship to be acceptable and correct. That it is done with sincerity and it is done in accordance to the sunnah of the Prophet mentioned together in the ayah. فَمَنْ كَانَ يَرْجُوا لِقَاءَ رَبِّهِ فَلْيَعْمَلْ عَمَلًا صَالِحًا وَلَا يُشْرِكْ بِعِبَادَةِ رَبِّهِ أَحَدًا Then let him do the righteous actions actions that are upon the sunnah and not to commit any shirk alongside Allah sincerity al-ikhlas so the good speech it must be upon those conditions 
That is what is going to be classed as Al-Kalimu Tayyib That good and righteous speech Similarly Al-Amalu Salih The righteous actions Yarfa'u اختلف العلماء في فاعل يرفعه فقيل إن الفاعل هو الله Some of the scholars said the meaning here is that Allah raises up your righteous actions يعني أن الله يرفع العمل الصالح وقيل إن المراد به أن العمل الصالح يرفع الكلمة الطيب But other scholars have said that the righteous actions they are what cause your righteous speech to be raised up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But what is closer to being correct is the first, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raises up your righteous speech and your righteous actions to Him. فَإِنَّهُ لَمَّا ذَكَرَ الْقَوْلَ أَنَّهُ يَسْعِدُ إِلَى اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلْ بيّن أن العمل الصالح أيضا يرفع عند الله سبحانه ويجزي به يوم القيامة الحسنة بعشر أمثالها إلى سبعمائة ضعف إلى أضعاف كثيرة So what seems to be accurate here is that the ayah is saying Allah raises your good speech and your good actions up to him all of that righteousness in your actions, righteousness in your speech, in seeking closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the point here in all of that is the fact that this good speech and good actions are being raised up to Allah, therefore affirming that Allah is above. And that is the point. So then we have the hadith Al-Imam al-Bukhari says, قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا إِسْمَاعِيلِ قَالَ حَدَّثَنِي مَالِكِ عَنَ بِالزِّنَادِ عَنِ الْأَعْرَجِ عَنَ بِهُرَيْرَةَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ أَنَّ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ قَالْ يَتَعَاقَبُونَ فِيكُمْ مَلَائِكَةٌ بِالْلَيْلِ وَمَلَائِكَةٌ بِالنَّهَارِ ويجتمعون في صلاة العصر وصلاة الفجر ثم يعرج الذين باتوا فيكم فيسألهم وهو أعلم بكم فيقول كيف تركتم عبادي فيقولون تركناهم وهم يصلون وأتيناهم وهم يصلون In this narration of Abu Hurairah Radiallahu anhu That the messenger of Allah Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said That there were angels That alternate upon you There are angels that are with you Night and day Some for the day Some for the night And they get together They overlap At the time of Asr And at the time of Fajr so you have angels with you from Fajr till Asr then other angels they come from Asr till Fajr so they overlap at Fajr and they overlap at Asr يَجْتَمِعُونَ فِي صَلَاةِ الْعَصْرِ وَصَلَاةِ الْفَجْرِ ثُمَّ يَعْرِجُ الَّذِينَ بَاتُوا فِيكُمْ 
So the ones who were with you overnight, they then go up, يَعْرُجْ الَّذِينَ بَاتُوا فِيكُمْ فَيَسْأَلُهُمْ وَهُوَ أَعْلَمُ بِكُمْ So then Allah asks them, Allah is more knowledgeable of you anyway. He says, how did you leave my servants? When you left and the other angels went, how did you leave my servants? What state were they in when you left them? فَيَقُولُونَ They say, تَرَكْنَاهُمْ وَهُمْ يُصَلُّونَ We left them and they were, whilst they were praying, وَأَتَيْنَاهُمْ وَهُمْ يُصَلُّونَ And when we go back to them, the overlap at Asr, they are praying. We left them in prayer and when we go back to them, they are in prayer. So, the point of the narration is where the shahid, as we said, the hadith is saying that there are angels with you in the night and in the day. They overlap, they cross over at Asr and Fajr. So the ones who are with you overnight then ascend. And then Allah says to them, and he is more knowledgeable of you anyway. How did you leave my servants? They say, we left them praying. And when we go to them, they are praying. The fact that the angels ascend to Allah. These are the methods of Ahlul Sunnah in understanding our Aqeedah. As we mentioned before, look at all of these multiple narrations throughout the Sunnah. A hadith that may not be talking about the topic of Allah being above. The key and the core and the subject of that hadith may not be the topic of Allah being above. That may just be a side issue within it. Here the key is about the angels and how they guard over you and they overlap and they change. That is the topic of discussion. This hadith, you will find it in those chapters where they are talking about the issue of the angels mostly. But here you see, within it, an aspect of it has the proof also regarding Allah being above. Allah is the Most High. And that is how Ahlul Sunnah, when they put together all of the Sunnah and all of the narrations, everything clarifies everything. It all becomes clear. Now you have the people of innovation saying Allah is everywhere. Ahlul Sunnah have clear proofs. And when they come together with all of the narrations everywhere throughout the Sunnah, it is all indicating the same thing. They come across this hadith, and in the middle of it there, Ya Rujul the angels who are with him overnight ascend. And then Allah says to them. So a proof within it again. After that, the Shaykh mentions a couple of points here. One of those, That these angels that are preserve, guarding over you and they preserve you, they swap at Asr and Fajr. They swap over. ولهذا حث النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم على المحافظة عليهما 
That is why the Prophet ﷺ encouraged us greatly to guard over the Fajr prayer and the Asr prayer. Those two prayers have been given the emphasis because of this as one of the reasons. Because when the angels come and they swap, then it wants to be, you want to be left in a state of prayer and you want to be received in a state of prayer. You do not want to be left in a state of oversleeping and not praying. And you do not want to be received in a state of delaying and not praying. وقال من صلى البردين دخل الجنة That whomsoever prays al-bardain in this context referring to the Fajr and the Asr that he will enter paradise. وقال حين تحدث عن رؤية المؤمنين لربهم فإن استطعتم ألا تغلبوا على صلاة قبل طلوع الشمس وصلاة قبل غروبها ففعلوا And the Prophet وسلم, when he was talking about the believers seeing Allah on the day of judgment in the context of that it is mentioned in one of the narrations that he said so if you are able to not be overcome with the prayer before sunrise meaning Fajr and the prayer before sunset meaning the Asr then do so meaning preserve them guard them absolutely to preserve and to guard them and to not let yourself be overcome in delaying or oversleeping these two prayers are at the other sides at the opposite ends of the day one in the early morning one coming to the end of the day منها also in the narration أن الملائكة الموكلين بنا يجتمعون في صلاة الفجر وصلاة العصر We now learn that these angels who are given the responsibility of guarding over us that they alternate some are with us from Fajr till Asr then they leave and others overlap with them and come to be with us from Asr till Fajr then they leave and the others overlap and take over from Fajr till Asr and it revolves and alternates in that way angels guarding over you and when they return up Allah says to them how did you leave my servant and they say that we left him in prayer and we received him in prayer and that is how a servant wishes to be ومن فوائد هذا الحديث التمييز لهؤلاء المصلين from the benefits of this narration the distinction for those people those believers who guard over their prayers carefully praying the Fajr on its time praying the Asr on its time a distinction for those believers who guard over those prayers لِأَنَّ سُؤَالَ اللَّهِ لِلْمَلَائِكَ لَيْسَ سُؤَالِ اسْتِفْهَامِ لِلْعِلْمِ because we know when the angels go up after they've swapped and Allah says how did you leave my servants what were they doing that isn't a question in terms of an actual question needing information Allah already knows 
So then what is the purpose of the question if it is not for the purpose of information? What is the purpose of that question? If it is not for the purpose of information, Allah already knows what the person was doing when the angels left him and what he was doing when the angels swapped and received him. So then why is that question asked? To honor them? What do you mean? How? Absolutely. It is an honor for those believers that Allah says, how did you leave them? So then the angels, they mention, we left them in prayer and we received them in prayer. That is a praiseworthy statement to be made of those believers. It is honoring those believers for them to be mentioned in that goodness and righteousness that they were received in prayer and they were left in prayer. So it is a means of honoring them that the angels in the heavens are saying we left him in prayer and we received him in prayer. Then after that, Imam al-Bukhari says, وَقَالَ خَالِدِ بْنُ مَخْلَدِ قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا سُلَيْمَانِ قَالَ حَدَّثَنِي عَبْدُ اللَّهِ بْنُ دِينَارِ عَنْ أَبِي صَالِحِ عَنْ أَبِي هُرَيْرَةَ رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم من تصدق بعدل تمرة من كسب طيب ولا يصعد إلى الله إلا الطيب فإن الله يتقبلها بيمينه ثم يربيها لصاحبه كما يربي أحدكم فلوه in this narration now, similar to the previous narrations, it has a mention about the one who gives charity with uh, dates from the righteous income from the halal, and that this, uh, or the point being made, then it says, "Wala yasadu ilallahi illa tayyib." That nothing is raised up to Allah except the good and the righteous. Again, the point is obviously that it's actions that are being raised up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then it mentions that Allah takes those righteous actions with his right hand. And then he uh, causes them to grow, to uh, uh, expand uh, causes them to grow and to expand just like the person would do so with his own uh, follow sometimes refers to his uh, the agriculture as he would do to his own agriculture that Allah expands and increases that for him so the point again Imam al-Bukhari is making from that narration even though the narration isn't specifically about the topic of Allah being above in it, the aqidah is mentioned again, highlighting that the good deeds, they are raised up to Allah. So again, affirming Allah is above. Then Imam al-Bukhari says, قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا عَبْدُ الْأَعْلَى إِبْنُ حَمَّادِ قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا يَزِيدِ بْنُ زُرَيْعِ قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا سَعِيدِ عَنْ قَتَادَ عَنَ بِالْعَالِيَ عَنْ إِبْنِ عَبَّاسِ أن نبي الله صلى الله عليه وسلم كان يدعو بهن عند الكرب لا إله إلا الله العظيم الحليم 
لا إله إلا الله رب العرش العظيم لا إله إلا الله رب السماوات ورب العرش الكريم This narration identical almost to what we did before uh, a, a small variation الاختلاف اللفظ بين هذا الحديث والذي قبله أنه في الحديث السابق قال العظيم الحليم وهنا العليم الحليم We mentioned this narration before about the dua that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to make at the time of stress and difficulty that he used to call upon Allah the one whom no one else has the right to be worshipped in truth Al-Azim Al-Halim and that he is Rabbul Arsh Al-Azim and Rabbul Samawat the Lord of the throne the Lord of all of the heavens and the Lord of the great throne the same narration is here again but with a different wording identical to the point being made before regarding Allah being above the throne, the Lord of the throne, the Lord of the heavens that Allah is above all of that creation then after that you have قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا قَبِيصَ قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا سُفْيَانَ عَنْ أَبِيهِ عَنْ ابْنِ أَبِي نُعْمٍ أو أَبِي نُعْمٍ شَكَّ قَبِيصَ عَنْ أَبِي سَعِيد قال بعث إلي بعث إلى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بذهيبة فقصمها بين أربعة وحدثني إسحاق ابن النصر قال حدثنا عبد الرزاق قال أخبرنا سفيان عن به عن ابن أبي نعم عن ابي سعيد الخدري قال بعث علي وهو باليمن إلى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بذهيبة في تربتها فقصمها بين الأقرع ابن حابس الحنظلي ثم أحد بني مجاشع وبين عيينة ابن بدر الفزاري وبين علقمة ابن علاثة العامري ثم أحد بني كلاب وبين زيد, زيد الخيل الطائي ثم أحد بني نبهان فتغضبت قريش والأنصار فقالوا يعطيه صناديد أهل نجد ويدعنا قال إنما أتألفهم فأقبل رجل غائر العينين ناتئ الجبين كث اللحية مشرف الوجنتين محلوق الرأس فقال يا محمد اتق الله فقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فمن يطيع الله إذا عصيته فيأمني على أهل الأرض ولا تأمنوني فسأل رجل من القوم قتله أراه خالد بن الوليد فمنعه النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فلما ولى قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إن من ضئضئه هذا قوما يقرؤون القرآن لا يجاوز حناجرهم يمرقون من الإسلام مروق السهم من الرمية يقتلون أهل الإسلام ويدعون أهل الأوثان لئن أدركتهم لأقتلنهم قتل عاد This narration is a famous narration 
the famous narration which is often always mentioned in the topic regarding the Khawarij. Read out the full English. Loud voice. Can you hear? Louder. Why did they become angry? What's happened so far? What's happened so far? Some gold has been sent to the Prophet He has then distributed that gold to the aforementioned names in the narration. They happen to be some of the leaders of the areas. Quraysh, from amongst them, the Quraysh, the Ansar, they didn't get any. So they became, it mentions there, like agitated at this. So then it was mentioned to them what? Well, they said firstly, he's giving it to the chiefs of Najd, the area, and he leaves us. So then what happened? The Prophet said, I just wanted to attract and unite their hearts. The Prophet explained to them, the reason being, I wanted to bring their hearts closer, to give them and share it out amongst them, to bring their hearts closer. Hence I gave it to them. So then what happens next? Then there came a man with sunken eyes, bulging forehead. This is the description given. A man with sunken eyes, his eyeballs were in to his face, sunken eyes, bulging forehead, a thick beard, fat raised cheeks, and clean shaven head. Sunken eyeballs, sunken eyeballs, forehead protruding, forehead out, cheeks out. What else? The clean shaven head and the thick beard. And he says, he says, O oh Muhammad, ittaqillah, fear Allah. He comes telling the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, fear Allah. So the Prophet sallallahu says, The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Who would obey Allah if I disobeyed him? You trust me over the people of the earth, but you do not trust me. Prophet sallallahu replies to him, replies to him saying, فَمَنْ يُطِيعُ اللَّهَ إِذَا عَصَيْتُ who will obey Allah if I disobey? If I am disobeying, then who will obey Allah after that? Allah has put me in trust upon the people of the earth. But you do not entrust me. Then the man said, or rather, what happened next? So now imagine, this man is basically coming and saying to the Prophet, fear Allah. Meaning that you haven't distributed it fairly. Fear Allah, distribute it fairly. Accusing the Prophet ﷺ of wrongdoing. So the Prophet ﷺ tells him, Allah has entrusted me, you don't entrust me. This man has shown aggression in this way against the Prophet ﷺ. 
So then somebody from amongst the Sahaba wanted to take his head off. And the narrator says, I think it was Khalid ibn al-Walid. And then, he asked for permission, but the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mana'ahu. He did not give him permission to do that. When the man went away, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, out of the offspring of this man, there will be people who will recite the Quran and will not go beyond their thought. And they will go out of Islam as an arrow goes out through the game and they will kill the Muslims and leave the idolaters. Should I live till they appear, I will kill them as the killing of the nation of Arabi. Here is the famous part of the narration you will hear often. When that man then went, the Prophet ﷺ said, From the lineage and the offspring of this one is going to come a people, They recite the Quran, but it doesn't go beyond their throats. They exit from Islam as the arrow exits min ramiya from its uh, target. يَقْتُلُونَ أَهْلَ الْإِسْلَامِ They kill the people of Islam. وَيَدَعُونَ أَهْلَ الْأَوْثَانِ And they leave the idolaters. لَإِنَ دَرَكْتُهُمْ لَأَقْتُلَنَّهُمْ قَتْلَ عَاد If I come across them, then I will kill them like the killing of Ad. All of that lengthy narration, where is the point this time? Our chapter here right now is the chapter regarding the highness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Where in this is the point of that? In this we see that some gold was sent to the Prophet He distributed that gold among some of the chiefs. The Quraysh, the Ansar, they didn't receive any but then the Prophet told them it's so that I can bring their hearts closer. So then this man appears and he says, Fear Allah. The Prophet tells him, Who will obey Allah if I don't obey him? Allah has entrusted me upon the people of this earth. Allah has entrusted me upon the people of the earth and you do not entrust me. And then it goes on that a person wanted to kill him, but the Prophet didn't allow that. And then he told them that the Khawarij come basically from his lineage. Where is the point regarding the Highness of Allah? So that's very close. It must be something along there. Because in that point there, it mentions that Allah has entrusted me upon the people of the earth. So we're along the lines of something there. Hey, but the point we want to make is, where is the proof in this hadith? Where is the evidence in this hadith about Allah being the most high? That's our topic right now. But how does that prove Allah being above? How does that prove Allah being above? We want to prove something in this narration showing Allah is above. How? So Allah entrusted the Prophet ﷺ upon the earth 
indicating Allah is above the earth, it's almost there. And there are, in fact, uh, like we mentioned once before, you remember that Imam al-Bukhari had mentioned a particular narration that didn't actually have the point of evidence in it, but that there were variations of that narration elsewhere that had a different wording that did explicitly give the point of evidence. Very similar here. There is another version of this narration where it says, Do you not entrust me? Do you not trust me? And I am the entrusted one, the trustworthy one of the one above the heavens. I have been entrusted by the one above the heavens. And you do not entrust me? So in that wording it becomes very clear. In that wording it becomes very clear regarding Allah being above. I am the Amin, the trusted one. From who? From the one above the heavens. Aminu man sama, The trusted one of the one above the heavens. And note, for those learning Arabic, like we've said before, the huruf al-jar, the prepositions, like fi, which typically means in, fi, fil, bayti, all that what you learn in Arabic. Typically the fi, as you learn it, is in. However, in Arabic, the huruf al-jar, it is known and understood in Arabic, they are interchangeable in meaning. Prepositions are interchangeable in meaning. So the fee here doesn't mean Allah is in the heavens, in the sky. The fee here has the interchangeable meaning with Allah, that Allah is above. The huruf al-jar, huruf al-jar, interchange in Arabic, it's a known grammatical uh, concept. As Shaykh Al-Thameen mentions, إن الله في السماء يعني أنه فوق السماء That Allah is literally, as you may understand if you're learning it in the early stages, in the heavens. But actually the fee here doesn't mean that. It means above the heavens. As for the people of deviation, the ones who reject the names and attributes of Allah, then how will they explain this? For example, the ones who say, no, Allah isn't above, Allah is everywhere, etc. How will they explain this narration, the Prophet ﷺ saying, I am the entrusted one of the one above the heavens. Clearly saying Allah above the heavens. How are they going to explain that? With distortion and alteration of meaning. So they'll say, A fissama. Mulkuhu wa sultanuhu. That it means I am the entrusted one of the one who has the kingdom of the heavens. Not that I am the entrusted one of the one who is above the heavens. The entrusted one of the one who has the kingdom of the heavens. So now it's affirming the kingdom of Allah, the heavens and the earth, but it's not affirming anything about Allah being above. When you explain it like that, and that's what they do, they'll say, no, that just means the kingdom of Allah, the heavens, everything. doesn't mean Allah above. So they distort and they change the meanings in that way. There's the other ayah, for example, أَأَمِنْتُمْ مَنْ فِي السَّمَاءِ 
Allah is above the heavens. Clear ayah. How are they going to explain it? Same thing. They say that means Allah's kingdom, dominion, stretches to the heavens. Allah's kingdom is in the heavens. Not that Allah is above the heavens. So all of that is now tahrif. It is distortion. And every person who does tahrif, then they by default have already done Got there in the end. Ta'atil. How so? Every person who distorts the meaning of the names and attributes of Allah to some other misinterpreted meaning that it doesn't mean has by default rejected that name and attribute in the first place. How so? They've rejected the actual name or attribute as it's supposed to be in the default they've rejected that because now that they've put a new meaning onto it it means they are rejecting the actual meaning so the actual name or attribute in reality they've rejected they have now made something new out of it the actual they've rejected so every person making tahrif has by default gone through the stage of having made Ta'atil first, they've rejected what's there. After rejecting what's there, they've now given an alternative explanation afterwards. They've rejected the actual and given something new. Hence the scholars say, every muharrif is a mu'attil. Every person making tahrif has first made ta'atil. Then after that, we have the hadith. قال حدثنا عياش بن الوليد قال حدثنا وكيع عن الأعمش عن إبراهيم التيمي عن أبيه عن أبي ذر قال سألت النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم عن قوله والشمس تجري لمستقر لها قال مستقرها تحت العرش this similar to what we mentioned before that the Prophet ﷺ was asked by Abu Dhar about the statement of Allah and the sun it moves to its place of settlement what is that? he said that is under the throne the point of it being under the throne قوله تحت العرش وَلَا شَكَّ أَنَّ الشَّمْسَ عَالِيَةً جِدًّا We know for definite the sun is obviously very high up. The sun is obviously very high up. That is known. فَإِذَا كَانَتْ تَحْتَ الْعَرْشِ لَزِمَ مِنْ هَذَا أَنْ يَكُونَ الْعَرْشُ عَالِيًا عُلُوًا عَظِيمًا If the sun, despite how high up it is, if it goes under the throne of Allah, that indicates just how high the, thro- the, uh, the throne first. Indicates how high the throne of Allah is then. And we know the throne of Allah is the ceiling of all of creation. The sun with it being how high it is, then on top of that still, it goes under the throne of Allah. So how high therefore is the throne of Allah? 
And then after that we know that Allah is above that even. Above the throne, above the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sheikh says here, why do the people of innovation reject Allah being above? Like the Jahmiyyah. We've been discussing now the Aqeedah of Ahlul Sunnah, Allah being above. What is the problem? Why do the Jahmiyyah, the people of deviation, reject Allah being above? The Shaykh says, يَمْنَعُهُمْ مِنْ ذَلِكَ زَعْمُهُمْ أَنَّهُ إِذَا كَانَ فِي مَكَانٍ وَهُوَ الْعُلُوْ لَزِمَ أَنْ يَكُونَ مَحْصُورًا وَمَحْدُودًا وَقَدْ سَبَقَ أَنْ بَيَّنَّ هَذَا the issue that the people of innovation have. Anybody first? Why do they reject? What's the problem? Why do they reject that Allah is above? What's the big deal? Direction? Place? Explain it with one more line to finish it off. How? What's the key phrase they use though? Huh? How, how, how? What's the key phrase they always use? They don't want to say Allah is above because they say that's a form of restriction. How do they believe that's a form of restriction? You're confining into a space and therefore you're claiming that Allah is surrounded by the other directions that's the they mention that in Tahawiyah etc about the directions they say if you say Allah is above above is a direction if Allah is above in that direction above then Below him is the, what we say, the south. And to one side of him will be, as we say, the east. And the other side of him will be the west. So you're saying Allah is surrounded by the other directions. So Allah is within this confined space. So Allah is confined by creation. That's the philosophy and where it gets to. So that is why they claim you cannot say Allah is above. Because if you say Allah is above, then the other directions must be around Him. He is therefore restricted and confined and surrounded by the other directions. Whereas of course they say we have to say Allah is the Almighty, the greatest, the all-powerful, obviously. And we cannot say that He is surrounded by these other directions and encompassed by these other directions. That is a topic which certainly won't be done in 12 minutes. It won't even be done in a lecture. That type of topic, it is mentioned when you go into much more detail on the issue of Allah being above. And inshallah ta'ala, on the Sunday class, Al-Aqeedah Al-Tahawiyyah, that is where that type of discussion will occur. Those classes that are being run in Leeds, by Sabi Leeds, 
that issue of Allah being above and does that mean that you are now confining Allah with the directions? Of course, in the very simplistic way, as we studied in Kashf al-Shubuhat, Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, he says what? There is a generalized way to respond to the people of innovation. Because in the Quran you have the ayat that are muhkamat and you have the ayat that are mutashabihat. Muhkamat ayat that are clear cut, they cannot be ambiguous in any way. Mutashabihat for the uneducated one looking at them, it's possible. It looks like they are ambiguous and they could hold this meaning, they could hold that meaning. People of innovation do what then? They pick out the mutashabihat ones that look like they could mean this, they could mean that. And then they'll put their interpretations onto them that look like they may work. Those interpretations look like they may work. And then deceive the people in that way. Ahlul Sunnah, what do they do with those ayat that maybe look like they could mean this or that? You simply put them back into the context of the muhkamat, the clear-cut ayat. And then in that context, they will elaborate and make clear the meaning of these ayat. That is the way of Ahlul Sunnah. But Ahlul Bid'ah, they will take those ayat separately, independently, without putting them into the context of everything else. So that they can put their own interpretation onto them. Shaykh al-Islam mentions the example of the ayah which we're going to come to next lesson. لا تدركه الأبصار وهو يدرك الأبصار That the eyesights of the people cannot encompass Allah. But Allah encompasses them. By itself, that ayah, somebody may quote it and say to you, therefore the correct aqidah is, we can't. See Allah, ayah in the Qur'an telling you that Allah is saying your eyesight cannot encompass Him. Simple, aqeedah, you can't see Allah. By itself, they'll take an ayah like that and give that interpretation. Looking at it like that, you wouldn't know what to do. Allah saying your eyesight cannot encompass Him. So we can't see Him surely. But then when you put it into the context of all of the other ayat, it becomes clear that the meaning of it is not that. What is the meaning of it? That's what will come to next week, insha'Allah. But the point being here, that you have ayat which are clear cut, and you have some that may look ambiguous to the one not educated, and the one who doesn't know the context with the other ayat. The people of innovation will take those types of ayat and use them. So how do you respond if a person of innovation came with that, for example? He said, look, the ayah says, the eyesight cannot grasp Allah. So we can't see Allah. What are you going to tell him? You can tell him that there are clear cut ayat in the Quran, muhkamat, saying that the believers will see Allah. Wujuhun yawma ilin, nawira ila rabbiha nawira. They'll be radiant looking at their Lord. Clear cut ayat telling you you'll be looking at your Lord. So you tell him. That I know there are clear-cut ayat affirming we will see Allah in the hereafter. This ayah you're trying to use with me now, I don't know how to explain it, I don't know the tafsir, but what I do know is that ayat of the Qur'an do not contradict. 
So whatever it means, it's not going to contradict the clear-cut ayah that say you will see Allah. So it will somehow be in line with them. I may not know how, but I know it's going to be in line with them. It's not what you're trying to tell me. That's the general answer, and you say bye. Here in the same way, they come to you with these types of examples, but you're going to be putting Allah into an area and other directions are going to be encompassing Him. You can say, look, all of that I don't know how to explain and all these points you're talking about. But what I do know is that Allah has told us in multiple places, That I know clearly in the Quran. Allah told us He is above the throne. I know clearly in multiple different evidences that things rise up to Allah. All of these points I know they are ayat, they are ahadith, clearly all stating Allah being above. So whatever argument you're bringing about these directions and all these south and west and encompassed, I may not know what all of that is. I may not know how to explain it. But I do know that authentic evidences, ayat, and authentic hadith will not contradict each other. So there will not be some evidence saying Allah is not above when I know there are ayat in the Quran saying Allah is above and there are hadith in Bukhari saying Allah is above. So you can say, I know for definite there are established evidences clear cut that Allah is above. This explanation you're trying to give me now, I don't know what that is, but I do know it's not going to contradict the clear muhkam ayat and hadith. And that can be left at that. If you don't know more, you can leave it at that. But that requires what? It requires that you have an understanding of the minimum muhkamat, the minimum principles of the religion, the minimum basics. You understand the aqidah that Allah is above and you understand some of the basic evidences for it. So that when somebody comes with whatever twisted interpretation of whatever ayah or hadith they're trying to use, you know principally speaking that this cannot be true what he's trying to say. Because principally speaking, you know the ayat and the hadith affirm Allah is above. So whatever interpretation he's got, you know he's got it wrong. You may not know how to give him the right interpretation, but you can tell him, I know it's wrong. I know the muhkam evidences are clear that Allah is above. So that's where we're going to leave it today then. Next week we'll start on that new chapter. The chapter regarding seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what is our aqidah regarding seeing Allah? When will we see Allah? Do the disbelievers see Allah? All of the various details regarding our aqidah in seeing Allah. That's what we'll begin with next week insha'Allah ta'ala. At approximately the same time. Then the week after that is going to be off. Two weeks from now, the first weekend of August is the conference in Birmingham. In two weeks time, so you should prepare for that from now. Get your hotels three days long. Stay there for the weekend. Very beneficial. You'll benefit from seeing everything the way it is with the brothers. The, 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 the unity, Ahlul Sunnah, the lectures, the knowledge. Everything will be beneficial for you and your families. Definitely you should make an effort to go and stay a night if you can. At least one night. A day, a night and a day. Try your best for that weekend. It will be something that magnificently, it will be something that benefits you to a great degree. 
It will benefit you, your families, to a great degree. Many people in the past have spoken about these Salafi conferences in Birmingham from the years they've been going on for over 20 years. People have gone there and they remember those as being the spark from the beginning when they began practicing. The spark of when they saw that Salafiyah, all of the, the communities of the UK, all of the Salafis from around the UK, the various Marakis, every single one, coming together and attending for that conference. You see all the brothers, all the sisters of all the races, nationalities, every area of the UK. That is something you benefit from. It is something that is good for you. So definitely make an effort in two weeks' time. For that weekend to go, all other classes will be cancelled. There will be nothing else going on, just that national conference. So put that into your diaries for two weeks' time. Next week we'll carry on with this though, with the seeing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We'll conclude upon that for tonight. Any questions and things? It'll have to be in 60 seconds. Go on. If a, if a person goes missing, Islamically, what's the ruling then? A man has gone fishing here. He's gone fishing and he's disappeared. Boat could have capsized. He may have made it out alive. He may not have made it out alive. What's the ruling? Is he considered dead? Do you take his wealth and spread it to the inheritors? What do you do? You wait? How long do you wait? It's like it gets to a point where it's like assumed now that gets to a point where it's assumed <laughs> well when does that point come uh -huh. well it's a it's a, a fiqh type of issue where you know there's going to be explanations and opinions and differences some of them yes they say you have to wait you cannot consider him to have died just like that there has to be a period and they'll differ on what that period is going to be uh, you have to wait, and then after that period goes, and it is uh, as they say, that to all intents and purposes, to all intents and purposes, there is nothing other than he has deceased. So then you can put the, but that ruling, that ruling they say, can only be made by the judge. The qadi has to give that ruling. You go to the judge, you say it's been two years, to all intents and purposes, he's died. Must have capsized, we found the bodies of his other uh, sailors with him we just didn't recover his body but that's everything indicates it the boat the shipwreck we found it so now after a year you say look to all intents and purposes he's died the qadi has to make the decision though but uh, the details of it inshallah next week we'll have to do we'll, we'll discuss it again next week if you want we'll bring the details at the end remind us inshallah